Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, best-selling author and Bible teacher Jeff Kinley will begin a brand new series entitled God's Grand Finale. As always, we appreciate you spending part of your day with us. We share a special hello to all of our new friends who are listening for the first time today. Whether you're listening on the radio or online, if you're new to Watchmen on the Wall, be sure to request your free new listener pack. The pack includes a welcome letter, history of the ministry, the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter, and a free gift. Get your free new listener pack by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. The Bible's last book is God's final word to mankind and the breathtaking revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though this letter describes depravity, devils, and destruction, it also provides an incredible portrait of our Almighty God, delivering profound insights into who He really is. Here is Jeff Kinley with a God-centered overview of Revelation. Excited today to have author Jeff Kinley with us. Going to be talking a bit about his new book, God's Grand Finale. Been excited to talk to this brother. He is a prolific writer and he's been around a while. Jeff, welcome to the program. Craig, thanks so much for having me, brother. Hey, it's our pleasure. I uh, ask you off the air, so I'll ask you on the air. Have you pastored or are you pastoring currently? I did pastor for about 30, a little over 35 years. I started out in youth ministry and then I ended up founding a church and planning a church uh, here in Little Rock, Arkansas that reached uh, Gen Xers and Gen Zs. And so, yeah, been uh, in the game for a long time. About the past 10 years or so have uh, just full-time been writing and speaking. Is Arkansas, that's your home state? South Carolina was originally my home state and uh, met my wife in college through the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, and I ended up transferring to the University of Arkansas and finishing up there, and we got hitched and went straight off to Dallas for uh, me to go get my THM at Dallas Seminary. Wow. What part of South Carolina? The upstate, uh, Anderson, Greenville area. Yeah. Up in that area. I went to school at Bob Jones, so I'm real familiar oh, with, yeah. the, with that. Absolutely. So, yeah, oh, that's About fa- 20 minutes from my house growing up. Really? That's fantastic. I was a rock DJ, and I'd never been south of Indianapolis, and so uh, we had an evangelist come to our church, and he said, I believe God's called you to preach, and I'd been going to a local Bible institute, and we uh, went to Bob Jones. I just fell in love with the place, and I thought, wow, this is really strange. Wow. A lot of it having to do being a northerner. I I talked to several people down there, and they said, you you talk strange. And I said, excuse me, I talk strange? Well, anyway, that's another story completely. We're going to talk about a number of things. I want you to know that I read your book, The End of America. When did you write that book? I think it was back in uh, 2017, I think it's when it came out, just after the, the last election. And so, uh, so, yeah, just kind of a look into America and where we are, our roots, and you know, where we've gone off the rails and, and what the Bible says. It's excellent. Bible prophecy and a country in crisis. And of course, I'm writing a new book called The New America, A Flood of Evil. We're in concert in so many areas, but I, I use some of your material. I don't know if I give you any credit or not, but when I preached, I used some out of this. I said, this guy really has his act together. He knows uh, so many things. It was well written, Brother Jeff. It was so good. 
Well, you're very kind to say that. How many books have you written now? 40 books is, is what I've published so far. I do all, all my research myself. You know, I told someone the day I only thought that what I was studying at Dallas Seminary for four years that I would be studying all that time, but I've been studying since then more so. And even recently, since I've left the pastorate even, you know, preparing for books, preparing for messages and articles and everything, I, I study all the time. So, yeah, that's that's basically what I'm doing uh, pretty much all day is, is studying the Word and doing that research. Boy, I don't know how you have uh, time. I mean, uh, uh, 40 books, that is a bunch. And you've done it all yourself. Uh, you've pastored. You speak around the country. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I speak about anywhere from 25 to 30 different events a year, typically. Do you usually do Bible conferences, or do you go to churches individually, like in revival settings, or what's the basis? Yeah, I do a lot of individual churches. Pastors will call me and say, hey, when you want to come in for like a weekend or Saturday, Sunday type thing, uh, revival, Bible conferences, prophecy conferences. That pretty much constitutes most of what I do. Well, that's excellent, and uh, we've done that for so many years. I was, uh, I've was i been in the same church 35 years. I was in evangelism 10 years before that, and I really uh, enjoyed meeting all the people around the country, east, west, north, south. It was just uh, uh, an experience, to say the least, and so I'm sure you're, you're still having a big part of that. I know that you have spoken more than once. The last time I met you was right here in Fort Wayne. You were speaking at my church for Southwest Radio mm-hmm. Church. Yeah, yeah. The Lord just kind of bounces me all over the country, and and just different venues. I just do what the Lord tells me to do. And in fact, it's crazy. I'm leaving tomorrow for California to speak at a youth camp out there in the mountains uh, outside of Anaheim. And so every now and then God will put me back into some doing some student ministry and that type of thing. But yeah, individual churches, conferences, and uh, I I love getting up to, like you said, getting to know different uh, members of the body of Christ. And there's always such encouragement there to be able to have that, that fellowship of that remnant that's really waking up. Of the 40 you have written, do you have a favorite, or do you like them all? <laughs> I usually respond by saying it's like picking a favorite child of mine. <laughs> yeah. You have certain things you love about all of them, but oh, you do love them all. Right. You know, it's crazy. The, the Lord has used different books that I've written to really kind of cross the bridge in the secular culture. I wrote a couple of uh, different fiction novels that were biblically based, uh, one called Interview with the Antichrist, where I, I just basically write a, a post-apocalyptic fiction novel about what's it look like from the inside circle of the Antichrist, and then at the end of the book, I have 30 questions answered from Scripture about Antichrist. I found that a lot of people gave that book to their you know, their kids, their college, and you know, young 20-something uh, kids, and uh, it really kind of crossed a, a bridge to, to the next generation because they love to read about fiction uh, stuff, fiction-based novels. So, yeah, different books have different strengths to them. I mean, several of my books have been number one bestsellers, so they've got me on everywhere from Fox and Friends to Glenn Beck to Ben Shapiro to all these shows. So, yeah, I just kind of ride the train, take it wherever God leads it. Are you doing a, a regular radio television program now? I, I'm not familiar. Yeah, I do. I have two television programs. One is called Jeff Kinley Live, which is all Bible prophecy that airs every week on hischannel.com. It's just 30 minutes of teaching on Bible prophecy. And then just recently, I just was asked to take over Dr. Ed Heinsohn's television show, The King is Coming. Uh, after Dr. Heinsohn passed in the summer, he was requesting uh, that I be approached about that. And so Anyway, I started doing that, and that started to air, uh, I think it was last month, uh, those programs started to air, so now I'm, I'm hosting that program as well. And, and then two podcasts, the Vintage Truth podcast I do, has over 430-something episodes, and then the Prophecy Pros 
podcast with Todd Hampson that we've been going for about three years now, and it's it's now over a million downloads. It's, it's in the top 1% of all podcasts in the country. So, yeah, th- those four things kind of keep me busy, plus writing, plus traveling and speaking. And I also teach a, a local Bible study here on Wednesday nights uh, here in Little Rock. And so God, I don't have a lot of free time to get in trouble. Well, I guess not. I mean, this sounds almost impossible. <laughs> how do you, how do you put a uh, get your ducks all lined up? Are you well organized? Yeah, I am pretty well organized, and, and obviously some things force you to be. But I always say it's kind of like how do you eat an elephant just one bite at a time? So I try, I try not to get overwhelmed and just say, all right, what's next on the docket? What's next that I have to do and prepare for? I do that and take it in incremental measures, and it seems like the Lord uh, gives me energy to get it done. That is, yeah, that's really unbelievable. I just can't imagine all of those things. Watchman on the Wall, Southwest Radio Church, this WRC.com, and we're going to be talking about Jeff's new book here, God's Grand Finale, and it's available 1-800-652-1144. That's SWRC.com, or call 1-800-652-1144. Honored to have Jeff Kinley with us today. So, hey, before we get into the book and talking about it, let me ask you this. Is Jesus coming soon? Well, I, I believe he very well could. I, the, all the signs seem to point to, obviously, uh, his imminent return, and we're living certainly in the season of his return. And I, I wish he'd come today, but unfortunately, I don't, I don't get a vote. We're on the welcoming committee, not on the uh, on the voting committee on that thing. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we should live in the sense that eager anticipation, just like the the early church did, they eagerly awaited Christ at any time, and so. Well, the way the world's headed right now, Greg, it sure, sure seems like things are coming into place. Oh, I hear so many men and women of God talking about this from Jan Markell on down, that things are certainly pointing in that direction. Now, when you go out to speak, do you pick a topic? What directs you? Typically, it depends on the, the venue and what the pastor and, and organization is asking for. Particularly, they leave it up to me. And a lot of times, I will uh, speak on whatever the latest release of my book is, unless it's a conference that uh, has a particular theme that I can draw from a previous book uh, that I've done. But yeah, I, I typically take the latest book I've done, and, and then sometimes I'll just take sort of a general approach to Bible prophecy, knowing that a lot of people have never studied it before, and so I don't assume anything. And so. I come into a church and say, and say, hey, let's just start with the ABCs of Bible prophecy, and, and we can build on it from there. So I pretty much custom fit all of my messages each time to the venue and to the people. That's excellent, and that's an, an excellent idea, way to do it, and a great program. How did we get into God's grand finale and the book of Revelation? I mean, there are hundreds of books out there in the book of Revelation. Why is this one different? Why did you write it? I wrote this book because I know a lot of times that the average Christian sort of looks at Revelation kind of like a keep-off-the-grass area. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I can go so far, I can peer over the banister into it, but I really can't get into it for myself. And so part of it was just the premise that God wrote Revelation as his last ever word that he would give the church before his written Revelation was completed. But he wrote it, obviously, to tell us about what's going to happen in the end of time, all the players on the, on the world stage, on the global scene during that time. He tells us about eternity. But through that revelation, the book begins by saying it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, of or about Jesus Christ, and from him. And so the premise really is, I think, in the book that people miss a lot of times, is that God really wants to tell us something about himself, not just something about what's going to happen in the end times. And so what I do through the book is I go through the whole book of Revelation, 
and just really observe and highlight 13 different attributes of God that really rise up out of the story, the narrative of Revelation. And so it turns out Revelation ends up being really a very devotional book, as well as a book of great information and great preparation. No question about that. I think that certainly is the the difference. People reading Revelation, okay, what's going to happen here, and then this, and then this. But your idea of back to God, I thought was was excellent. What I've read of basically two books here of yours is they're easy reads. I mean, there's great material in here, but you put it out there in such a way that even I can understand it. <laughs> well, thanks for saying that. I think one of the things that when I began writing, I obviously didn't know how to write. I, as uh, my professor at seminary used to say, that when you leave seminary, you're sort of like a cannon sent to kill a fly. You know, oh my. you've got all this information, and you're just dumping it on people, and they're looking at you with kind of glassy eyes. By being a youth pastor, I learned to take solid biblical truth and doctrine and books of the Bible, but just put them in a language that people can understand. So I don't dumb the truth down in any way. I take people deep but I leave them there with a language and with a style of writing, I think, that really helps connect them with the truth. And so I like to say I try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that anybody can read and understand. So I appreciate you saying that. That's the one comment I think I get more than anything else about my books is that when I read this, it really was clear. It made sense. Uh, something I could understand. That had to be God's gift to you. I mean, if you haven't written or didn't study on how to be a, a writer, then God obviously gifted you because I'm sure throughout all 40 books that you've written, that's a true point that right down there on the bottom shelf. No, it really is because to be honest, I, I did not grow up in the church. And so I was very unchurched. I was a pagan. I was a, a hedonistic pursuing a hippie. The whole rock and roll thing was my deal. And by age 16, I was, I had lived a a long life, so to speak, and but when I when I was led to Christ by a fellow, sixteen-year-old there in my high school, I began to read the Bible. And Greg, I'd never read anything deeper than a comic book to that point. Wow! I was not a good student. I was not a good reader. I, I didn't have an attention span. But all of a sudden, through conversion to Jesus, the Holy Spirit gave me a hunger for the Word of God. And so I began to devour the, the Bible like, like no book I'd ever read. I read it cover to cover, reread it. My first year as a 16-year-old young baby believer, I read 52 different books. I read a book a week. And I'm reading things like Tozier and Packer and people like that. So for me, it was a real era of discovery. And I think through that, I learned a lot about just communication and, and what it means to write a good book. And my first books that I wrote for young people, I, I wouldn't put them on the par with the level that I write today, but, uh, and I have grown in that, but I, I agree that, you know, God has gifted me with that, but I continue to try to hone my skills and be better at what I do. I recently talked to uh, Eric Barger. Brother Barger shared that uh, he was in the world of rock and roll. I was saved out of that. I was a disc jockey at one of the top stations in America. And the age of the kid that talked to you about Jesus is interesting as well because a 16-year-old kid invited me to an independent Baptist church in 1973. And I thought, oh, boy. And the only reason I went there is I liked the kid. I didn't like Baptists very much, but I, I liked the kids. So I said, I'm going to go. And I got saved. Exactly how did you come to know Christ as Savior? We'll end the program with that. This friend uh, at high school befriended me, built a bridge to me. He was a guitar player like I was, and he was funny, he was athletic, and he just built a relationship with me. He, he earned the right to be heard, 
he knew I was a very hardened type person. I had to come back to every single Christian witness of people who had tried to witness to this hippie. But he asked me a question, Greg, that, and his name was Greg as well, that no one had ever asked me before. He turned to me at the end of a, of a church service that he had begged me to come to, and he said, Jeff, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? And that question hit me like a ton of bricks. The Holy Spirit gripped my heart. God convicted me of my sin. And I literally, standing there in that pew, I just simply surrendered my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I was instantly changed. I had a dramatic conversion experience, and I've never been the same since. And so that conversion experience really put me on the path to walking with Christ. And then about a year and a half later, I felt called into full-time ministry. And that's been my story ever since. That is a dramatic story indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've just joined us, you have been listening to Jeff Kinley, author of the latest book, God's Grand Finale, that we're going to talk about tomorrow on Southwest Radio Church Watchman on the Wall. If you'd like to get a copy, swrc.com or call 1-800-652-1144. Thank you so much for being on the program today, Jeff. God's Grand Finale. The brand new book by Jeff Kinley examines the 13 characteristics of God that Revelation uniquely and vividly illustrates through its foretelling of Earth's last days. As you read, you'll develop a clear overview of end times events. You'll experience how God uses the apocalyptic realities of Revelation to reveal himself to you, and you'll grow in faith as these transformational truths about God deepen your reverence for him. Order God's Grand Finale today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. When the dust of Revelation settles, we behold the Lamb standing and ruling in triumphant, sovereign, and indescribable glory. As God's grand finale illuminates how the end times will unfold, you'll understand how the narrative arc of Bible prophecy reveals the awe-inspiring attributes of God. Order your copy of God's grand finale by visiting our website, swrc.com, or simply call 1-800-652-1144. Pastor Larry is here, ready to answer a question that has garnered a lot of attention recently, the role of women in the church. Pastor Larry, what does the Bible say about women in ministry? To say the least, this is a highly controversial issue, and recent developments have brought it into the spotlight. At the 2023 Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans, Saddleback Church was removed from the denomination due to the California megachurch allowing a woman to serve in the office of teaching pastor. The 2000 Baptist Faith and Message, which provides the doctrinal framework for the Southern Baptist Convention, states that while both men and women are called to spread the gospel, the office of a pastor is limited to men. Saddleback founder and lead pastor Rick Warren implored the denomination to reconsider Saddleback's removal. Warren argued that Southern Baptists could agree to disagree on the matter of female pastors, comparing it to the convention's decision to not disfellowship churches that adhere to Calvinist theology. Warren said, 
We should remove churches for all kinds of sexual sins, racial sin, financial sin, leadership sin, sins that harm the testimony of our convention, but the 1,129 churches with women on pastoral staff have not sinned, close quotes. Dr. Al Moeller, president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, spoke against Saddleback's appeal, warning that Saddleback was threatening the unity of the SBC and that the issue was not non-essential. I can testify that this is a continuing hot issue. More than 50 years ago in my first pastorate, there was a young woman in the church with two little children. Her husband was serving in the military overseas. We were having a congregational meeting to decide whether or not the church should have a nursery. The deacons would not let this mother vote. The reason? If her vote broke a tie, she would be usurping authority over the men, which is forbidden by 1 Timothy 2 verse 12, which states, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Is forbidding a mother from voting in a congregational meeting and appealing to this verse to justify such an action an appropriate application of Scripture? All through redemptive history, women have been involved in serving God in a number of ways. In the Old Testament, women were to be present at the reading of Scripture, Deuteronomy 31, 9-13. Women served at the entrance of the tabernacle, Exodus 38, 8. And Moses' sister Miriam is called a prophetess, Exodus 15:20. Deborah was both a prophetess and a judge, Judges 4, 4 through 7. In addition, we should mention Huldah, the prophetess, who powerfully spoke on God's behalf and said, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, 2 Kings 22:14 through 20. In the New Testament, Paul writes about Euodia and Syntyche, quote, those women which labored with me in the gospel, close quotes, Philippians 4.3. We should also note that in Acts 2.17 we read, And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So what's the problem, and from whence comes the controversy? The controversy centers around 1 Timothy 2.12. Some find it restrictive and seems to go against the overall teaching of Scripture. The Apostle Paul states, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. As we seek to understand this verse in context, we need to remember that the New Testament letters were generally written to churches and to individuals. The letters focus on specific issues and problems. Some of the issues are no longer issues today. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 4 says, As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. Now this was a problem in the early church evidently, not one that we face today. So we have to ask, was there a particular issue in the church at Ephesus where Timothy was ministering that caused the apostle to utter words of restriction? Josh McDowell and Sean McDowell have been a real blessing to the Christian community and are well known for their defense of the Christian faith. The senior McDowell has spoken to more than 10 million people in 118 countries about the evidence for Christianity. 
They have authored a book titled The Bible Handbook of Difficult Verses, A Complete Guide to Answering the Tough Questions. I doubt if anyone could reasonably claim that the McDowells are liberal, left-wing enemies of the faith. Yet they write that Paul's restrictions against women teachers in 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, arose out of the particular situation in Ephesus. On pages 270 and following, they point out that Ephesus had the largest temple in Asia Minor that was dedicated to Artemis, the goddess of fertility. Women served as priestesses and reportedly fulfilled the role of, quote, sacred prostitutes. Furthermore, there were hundreds of educated Greek women in the city who were respected teachers of men. Because of their eloquence and speaking ability, they were very likely to become teachers after they became part of the church. Many of these women were not grounded in the faith and were teaching things that were not in accord with the revealed will of God. On page 271, the authors of the Bible Handbook of Difficult Verses write, Based on the above interpretation, this would not appear to be a timeless prohibition for all women in all churches in every age. While this seems to be a reasonable conclusion by reasonable authors, there is one issue that they fail to address, namely verses 13 and 14. For Adam was first formed than Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. It could be argued that Paul is taking a restrictive view because of the creation order, not because of any situation at the time of writing this letter to Timothy. At this point, the listener might complain, Pastor Larry, you have raised more questions than you have answered. Well, I agree. These verses raise lots of questions. For example, if a woman cannot usurp authority over a man, can a wife not try to stop her husband from squandering away their hard-earned savings? And how about the issue of head coverings for women in worship? Have we all reached a consensus on that? Some say long hair is the head covering. So what exactly is long hair? 1 Corinthians 11.5 says, But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. Does this mean that a woman can pray or prophesy if her head is covered? The questions are endless. We must not be like the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day who straineth a gnat and swallow a camel. We need to continue to seek the Lord for his continuing leadership and understanding of Scripture. Male pastors do not have intrinsic authority. We follow what they teach not because they are male, but because what they are teaching is in accord with the Word of God. If it is not, no matter what the gender of the pastor, they have no binding authority on the conscience. God's Grand Finale, the brand new book by Jeff Kinley, examines the 13 characteristics of God that Revelation uniquely and vividly illustrates through its foretelling of Earth's last days. When the dust of Revelation settles, we behold the Lamb standing and ruling in triumphant, sovereign, and indescribable glory. As God's grand finale illustrates how the end times will unfold, you'll understand how the narrative arc of Bible prophecy reveals the awe-inspiring attributes of God. Order God's grand finale today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Jeff Kinley will continue his study of God's grand finale, wrath, 
grace, and glory in earth's last days. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.